Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. A cabin fever. Cabin fever. Hello. My name is Jeff Blum. I am an ex-baseball player, and now I have a podcast with my friend David Tuttle. We like to talk sports, but there isn't any sports. It's driving me crazy. Tuttle, how we doing, man? Good to see you, dude. Good to see you. It was good to catch up, man. We were fired up, folks. Uh, cabin fever is uh, running high. I think it ebbs and flows like everything else during this uh, pandemic, but Blummer, it's so good to see you, buddy. It's, uh, it's good to have some... Uh, pre-podcast locker room talk that, uh, yeah. that brings back some good memories and good feelings but man we are we are in the we're in a turmoil tumultuous society right now and uh, as i think i mentioned and i'll touch on later i mean not a lot has changed since march 15th or whenever we went on so lockdown weird. there's no like science scientific breakthrough we're just yeah i think it's time to go back outside you know oh what For should i wear a mask and then we'll run back inside yeah I anyway i'm doing great Blumer. how are you but I'm good. It's great to see you. And I know that, you know, it's kind of funny. We, you know, we get when the, when the light comes on, so to speak, for the recording of this, you know, all of a sudden I feel like the mood changed a little bit and we do get a little more jovial and a little more entertaining, hopefully. But I do know that when we talk before we get on this podcast, it is a little more, oh my gosh, what about this? Oh my gosh, did you hear that? You know, and then we try and prep for what we're about to come on. But I, I know that once the light comes on, I have no idea how it's going to start or how it's going to go, but it is a lot of fun to actually have, uh, you know, bring bring some content and some light to some issues that we have. And everybody, man, I don't, you probably feel the same way I do. We expected to, to have some fun with this, but we didn't expect to have this many people having fun with us. It's been really good. Uh, the, you know, the podcast is still doing incredibly well on the audio side, and then we transfer and do a little bit on the, the video side, and that's been going great. I hope everybody's enjoying all the visuals and spectacles that we're, we're adding to the podcast to try and make it a little more entertaining. But we would just like to say thank you for going to the Social Nostra Network on YouTube, subscribing, because over, what, 10,000, 11,000 uh, subscribers now. Uh, we're getting close to 7,000 views on our podcast, which is kind of crazy to think about. And the podcast is still going well, like I said, on audio side. And if you have been listening to Bleacher Blondes, you know that what will Tuttle say is usually a very good, uh, very good banter from my good buddy David Tuttle across out there on the West Coast. And... Uh, you know, that being said, after our last podcast, I have got to tell you that every parking lot I went into, I was keen to where every shopping cart stall was, and I was keen to the way too many shopping carts that were not in them, man. I literally had one at Costco the other day where I, I tr- come around the corner and go into a parking spot, and guess what's in front of me? A shopping cart. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how like you talk about those things and all of a sudden your awareness is peaked and you just start picking things out and you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck, what the heck? And I'm like, damn. So It makes I, me think of car shopping. You know, if you're ever looking at a new car, <laughs> like, hmm, I kind of like that car. And then everywhere you go, you're like, oh, there, there it is. There it is again. Or, you know, if you like a color, all of a sudden you see like white cars or red cars everywhere. But the shopping cart thing, for sure, when you see that empty spot, I'm seeing it. Uh, I'm, I'm aware of it. I'm trying to kind of back off from it. I do know that I'm a little bit, um, I wouldn't say OCD, but I like to be organized. And I was just thinking every time I go to Costco, this is an, an addendum to what will total say from last week is 
there's those guys with the neon vests mm -hmm. and the big like rubber like ropes and then they kind of they move the carts at Costco there's like three or four of those guys and they're always working and they're always busy and to your point there's still always like carts everywhere <laughs> it's like <laughs> I would be so frustrated you know what it's kind of like this? yeah like doing the dishes or the laundry like you know they're just they're never really done like when do you ever get Good all point. the carts put away and in the stall it just doesn't happen it doesn't happen. And and that's what you have to look forward to on the Bleacher Blums podcast. We know that we are heavy on the sports. We're heavy on the baseball. But life kicks in every once in a while. And some of those things come to our mind a little bit. And it makes it that much more enjoyable. And speaking of what's on tap, who is always brought to you by St. Arnold's, is that we've got a pretty loaded show, to be honest with you. I think newsworthy in, in sports. It was a pretty interesting week. And I know that we've been texting back and forth, uh, talking about some of these things. Um, one of the big ones, obviously, is Major League Baseball testing is having its issues, which uh, I, I will comment on. And then uh, PGA. I'm really actually kind of curious to see if you've been paying attention to this or how your feelings or emotions are about this. But uh, Bryson DeChambeau is literally rocking that entire boat since coming back from the COVID uh, crisis that the PGA was in. And I kind of like it. I really kind of like it. He was the brainy guy. Now he's like the brawn guy going out there, breaking balls about two, what, 360, 370. So that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, the NFL, I had talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it, but we talked about them trimming rosters and trying to create distancing. So you figure they were going to cut down on roster space. And I kind of, I think on the radio show I did here in Houston, I said, you know what, they're trimming rosters so they don't have to make cuts. And all of a sudden, we find out that there's some other issue within the NFL that, that we'll talk about. Oh, and also in MLB, name changes. I don't know if you have any suggestions or you want to send us suggestions. You can go to bleacherblums.com and tell us what your suggestions might be. Redskins might be out. The Indians, Braves, Chiefs, I don't know. Oh, yeah, there is a new chief in town, and he's getting paid pretty handsomely. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the NCAA and their upcoming fall uh, semester, which is very interesting. And who would have thought – this is how sports is going right now, Tuttle. I wrote down in my notes, MLS. What? And for those of you who listen to our podcast, Major League Soccer is MLS. And I never in my wildest dreams thought I would do this. But it, it kind of helps me talk a little bit about what's going on with the NBA and their bubble because the MLS is having a tournament in Orlando also. But – there's been a major twist in that having to do with a team in Texas. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh, just checking in. We saw how Tuttle's doing great. My question to you is, July 4th happened. Did you successfully accomplish the Murph? Oh, yeah, Murph. I forgot about that. Of course yeah, I did. dude, I didn't I forget was... about it because I was thinking about you on July 4th as I'm throwing back a couple of St. Arnold's and cooking ribs on the barbecue. I'm going, dude, Tuttle just spent the entire morning with a 20-pound vest on running around the planet, pushing it up, pulling it up. It was, it sounded insane. I want to know how it went. Did you do it? It went well. So I've done it five or six times. So I knew it was going to go well. Um, by the time, even with the two hour uh, time difference, Blummer, by the time you were drinking some St. Arnold's, I was probably having a cerveza as well because we, I actually took a 12 pack to the gym. We went at 530. That was the deal. So 530 AM, about 10 Ooh. of us got in there. Um, did Murph, we were done. I was done in an hour. And, uh, when I got done, we cracked open a cold one at about seven, I don't know, 7am Pacific time. So I think I might've had a cold one 
probably right around the time you did. So, so again, for folks who don't know Murph, um, obviously in honor of Lieutenant Michael Murphy, he called the, the workout body armor, which is you wear a 20 pound weight vest, which in the military, I mean, anybody that listens to this that knows the military, I mean, they do everything with a rucksack and a, and a, and a, yeah. you know, 50 pound pack on them, whether it be with their gun and their ammunition and their all that. Say, it's just a fact of their life, right? It's, just a it's a fact of, of their life. So when we put it on, it's kind of like, Oh, you know, this thing's pretty heavy. Um, I will tell you that first mile is always like, you know, you're prancing out there for that first mile. Oh, I was going to tell everybody what it is. So it's one mile run followed by a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats. And then you finish with a mile run. Um, and I know, but, it, but if you are in this, I know you don't do those kind of workouts. So, I mean, you can break it down in different ways. This year I did it straight through. So they call it iron. So I did the mile run. Oh, so you run out your first mile, you're feeling really good. You come back. It's usually about like seven and a half, eight minute mile, nice, easy pace. And you come in and you start this workout and about 30 minutes in, you're like, Oh my God, am I even halfway? Like, where am I? How does that weight vest feel after about 30 minutes? In? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not so much the weight vest, it's just the volume. And then you can imagine as you kind of, I mean, if you don't have a weight vest, how often do you do a hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, right? So oh, never, <laughs> never. Why? Yeah. So, Gosh. but I like it. I like it. I mean, obviously yeah. we've talked about this before. So I just, it's a I mentality chose... too. I think that's what kind of gets, you know, overridden in talking about the physicality of it. Your brain has to be able to push through some of those things, man. Yeah. So, so to kind of shorten this segment a little bit, I'll just say, so this is the fifth or sixth time I've done it with a weight vest. Um, and each year I've kind of added more challenge to it. Um, not like it's not challenging enough, but the first year I did it and the first few times I did it, I would just do, I did 20 sets of five, 10, 15. So you basically, you come in after the mile, you do five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 air squats, do 20 rounds of that. That adds up to 100, 200, 300. Okay. Then you run your mile. So okay. you're partitioning it in a way where it's like, all right, you give your arms a chance to recover. I still will say being a tall, skinny guy, like push-ups, you know, when you get into that middle rounds of push-ups, it's like, Dude, that is I'm not life, doing, man. yeah, I'm not cranking out 10 push-ups. So I would do like four, four, two. Okay. But this year, again, it's not as cardio um, taxing. I did it straight. I did the iron version. So I did a hundred pull-ups first before I could move on to any other movement. So, you know, I came running in and about pull-up number 70, 72, I was like, oh, <laughs> I still have 25 pull-ups, push, you know, pull-ups to go. Dude, that's insane. So, yeah. So then when I got through that, I knew the, 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 big, the big crux of the workout would be the push-ups. Um, I do have a little video we'll put up. I'll send a social nostra. I, I did the air squats. I just did a quick video of the air squats, but, um, and then, you know, following it, that 200 push-ups up, which took the bulk of the workout, 200 yeah. push-ups must've taken me 20 to 30 minutes. I can't remember. I was doing, I got to 130 push-ups and I was Damn. like, Oh, I got 70 push-ups left. And I was doing them in sets of two and three, you know, I'd be like two push-ups. I would rest, you know, <laughs> two push-ups. I would rest. Yeah. Cause it's, it's more, and people that yeah. work out, anybody, it, it, you know, this just from it, it's more muscle fatigue. So cardio, oh. I wasn't like, <gasps> you know, and you know, that feeling so completely different feeling. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I think this is a, a really thrilling story. Maybe accompanied by the video might help, but it went really well. We were done by seven o'clock. And I think this is the funny thing talking about health, wellness, and fitness, because a lot of CrossFitters do this, mm -hmm. you know, for the most, apart we eat healthy we're working out we're trying to stay young 
But, you know, the first thing you do, 4th of July or Memorial Day, you do Murph, crack open a beer at 7 a.m. You know, then you're sitting in the sun at noon. You've just killed your body, by the way. Literally. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I can't even get out of this position. And now you have four or five beers. And it's like, this is not the way to recover from (laughs) an intense workout. So for all you guys that think I'm, uh, you know, young and crazy, I think now I'm just getting old and crazy and dumb because you always forget the tax that you... uh, that you need to, you got to pay the tax man and it comes out the next day for sure. Yeah. And those dues go up the older you get too, man. I mean, it's those delusions of grandeur that we have as ex athletes to be like, Oh, I can do that. You know, I played baseball for 58 years. I can get, (laughs) yeah. And then, like you said, you find that one position you're comfortable in and kind of hang out there for about 20 minutes and everything locks up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Good times, but I'm proud of you. Good for you, man. Thank you. Good for David Tuttle to be able to pull that off. Now to the juice, the fun stuff. Yeah, the juice. Uh, what, do you, what do you want to hit first? I, I, you, I rambled off what we've got, but I'm not committed to any particular order. So you being the co-host and having an equal opportunity and vote in this uh, democracy, hmm. is there anything you want to you want to start with or hit on first? Um, let's see. You mentioned a couple things. I thought the uh, I thought the name change was interesting. So let me mm-hmm. uh, let's start let's off with the name, name change. changes. Yeah, which is fine. So. Um, that, so Indians, Chiefs, all that. Now, just to preface this, I realized that we should make uh, anything that was, you know, wrong, and especially in this time, uh, racially offensive, for sure, we should make adjustments, right? I mean, we don't celebrate yes. Hitler, we don't celebrate Nazism. Um, and that was another story this week, too, by the way, um, that we don't have to touch on Deshaun Jackson uh, put Oof. his foot in his mouth. But anyway, we don't celebrate those things because we know they were wrong. They were kind of mm-hmm. humanly wrong. And then what transpired. Um, so, but I, I want to preface what I'm going to say with that, because I just kind of think like the Indians and the chiefs and, you know, maybe me being a white man in America, right. They just seem kind of innocuous. Like they're just, that's what the teams yeah. are called. But what I would say is we don't need to keep those names around. I mean, everybody's always looking for like a marketing angle or a change. Yeah, like, why are they, hu- yeah. Why are they yeah. so hung up on it? It doesn't really matter. Like nobody cares if you win the, the NBA championship as the Seattle Supersonics or the Oklahoma City um, uh, Thunder. And I will say this, I shouldn't say nobody cares. The people that were in Seattle that love that team and would have wanted to watch Kevin Durant, you know, in the playoffs, <laughs> Those people care, but I'm saying if you're going to keep it in the same city, nobody cares if it's the Seattle pilots or the Seattle Mariners or the, Mm -hmm. you know, the Seattle skyscrapers. And I think that's what we should embrace is that, look, we're either going to make a change or we're going to plant our flag and say the Redskins have been around since 1927 and we're not going to change the name. That's fine. That's your prerogative as a private business, Mm -hmm. but why not have like this great campaign of, we're going to change the name. We're going to change the logo. We haven't been in the playoffs in 25 years. We're going to change our luck. <laughs> you know, let's, let's create some, everybody's doing that. Everybody looks at, I mean, I, I'm not a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan and I don't like those old creamsicle uniforms, but yeah. man, those, those copper helmets and the orange and all that, like they have cool uniforms. I mean, I just think this could be a really nice opportunity for owners and um, front offices and, you know, to kind of, create some unity around let's make the name change. So again, just to recap, I'm not beholden to, yes, we have to go back and make these changes for the right reasons. But I think if you're going to be socially conscious and make a change, you know, make it, make it fun, make it worthwhile. What are your thoughts, Plumber? 
No, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I just want to kind of get it out there. When these names were given to these teams, I don't think they're, they were given in a derogatory fashion. You don't name a major league franchise or an NFL franchise after something that you dislike or want to make fun of or uh, desecrate in any way. I th- you know, I, I think that uh, that is the, over, the first premise. Mm-hmm. But that being said, in the climate we're in right now and the understanding and the more understanding that we get every day, and, and learning about things, you know, I agree that the, you know, maybe Indians need to go. They got rid of Chief Wahoo, I think it was three years ago, the, the Indian yeah. logo that they had on their hat. And, uh, you know, they just went to the Cleveland for the C. And then, you know, the Redskins, I, that one's probably the most obvious one to me that yeah. just sounds terrible. I mean, if we went around calling everybody, you know, Redskins, Blue Skins, White Skins, you know, I mean, good Lord. Uh, that that has a negative connotation to it just because you're literally talking about skin. So I get that. And I applaud the efforts to make the change, but I am with you in the sense that I'm not beholden to calling Cleveland the Indians, damn it, for the rest of their their existence. I'm not I'm not stuck on that. I think it's good to be creative and different. And I think what you brought up was actually a very good point that some of these organizations need to understand or wrap their heads around is that guess what? When the Astros changed their uniform color in 2013 to the blue and orange that they have, guess what happened? Everybody went out and bought the new color scheme and they bought the new jerseys and they bought the new hat. This is such an incredible opportunity, to Tuttle's point, to rebrand and resell merchandise. Because if you change anything, now I don't think the Cleveland Spiders is going to fly because it's just a stupid name to me to name it after an insect. But if you change them to the Blues or the Rocker, whatever you choose, you can get creative with the logo. Don't get, don't go minor league on it though. Don't get crazy with the hairy men or yeah, yeah. you know the the hops, whatever they are, you know. Keep it traditional, get a nice clean logo and fire it out there. If you want to add a little accent color to it or change your color scheme a little bit, do it. That would be fantastic. And I think that's probably the, you know, an angle that you could actually get some of these owners and some of these sticks in the mud to kind of get out of there is go, oh, we we can pick a cooler name, number one, and we can change a little bit of the color scheme and we can get a new logo. All of a sudden your merch is flying off the charts. I I don't understand why that wouldn't be such a fantastic thing. You know, I think the NFL should jump in and be like, Hey, it's a great opportunity. You know, you, you you guys could be the centennials from uh, the replacements movie up there in DC and kind of have a play off that and change your color. But I think there's an opportunity. And I think that's, you know, in every crisis, you need to try and find that opportunity. And it's a crisis mode right now because they, it would mean buying all the new uniforms, repainting your stadiums, going with different uh, logos and things like that. I know that would be very hard, but I think in the long run, it would actually enhance the product a little bit and bring some of the positive attention back to it and help them sell some product. And I think that's what a lot of owners are about right now is selling. I would hope so because they're, they're at a, they're coming up short right now. Anyway, that's what we talked about during this fake collective bargaining agreement. Right. (laughs) I mean, we, you know, we're losing so much money. We're losing so much revenue. Here's a, I mean, Let's kill two birds with one stone. And I realize some of them are beholden to the old ways and they bought the, you know, whatever. I just, I just can't see as a businessman how this can't be a, a, a you know, a boon for them. A, 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 I don't know, an opportunity to make this great. I, I mean, just like the cardboard cutouts, let's involve the fans. Let's have a contest. Now the contest doesn't guarantee um, 
that that's going to be the name, right? A popularity yeah. contest, but that gets it into the mix. Like, hey, 70,000 fans voted that, you know, they should name them, like you said, the Spiders. So the Spiders, the I mean, the Washington Senators, there's an example. The Senators mm -hmm. became the Nationals when they moved back. You know, the Pilots and the Mariners. I mean, we could just go down the list. This is just a rebranding, essentially. Um, and even organizations company like goes through it too right. it's not, you know what i mean amazon's yeah. going to change their logo every three or four years yeah. google's going to change the font every right every week it feels like i mean it's if you're not moving and trying to rebrand yeah. you're not trying you're not trying right yes. well and and now look at like somebody like the patriots they're still red white and blue um they lost a bunch i remember they played the bears in the super bowl um during 1986 and they had the old um, you know, the yeah. Patriot guy hiking the ball, but now they have retro night, just like, you know, throwbacks, just Your like Buccaneer the baseball point too. Yeah. Yeah. The Buccaneers did the same thing. They'll have. So now you're, you, everybody buys the new uniform. Ooh, it's like throwback you night. Have or it's those like, moments where you look back at the history yeah. of the franchise. Yeah. So I just, I mean, anyway, we could probably talk about this all day. I just thought it was funny because yeah. we get hung up on when the news we're reading is the social issue, like just Indians and the Redskins. It's the wrong name. As you said, offensive, certainly to uh, the Redskins, certainly offensive uh, as a name. But let's, you know, I'm a positive guy, optimist. We yeah, know, like, hey, let's turn this into a contest or let's turn this into a marketing opportunity. And, yeah. you know, hey, we're going to change the logo for the podcast one of these days, man. Guess what? It's going to happen. I'm tired of seeing these Astros colors. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's true, though. I mean, eventually we're going to get to the point where we want to kind of update everything. And that's maybe a better <laughs> better word for it update you yes. know that's all it's about renovation like and update it. updating and rebranding <laughs> that's uh, that's so that's basically what we're doing mm -hmm. and speaking of branding and speaking of one of those teams that might have to change their name the chiefs man patrick mahomes got baroque off <laughs> the whole covid thing is not affecting some people and uh you know patrick mahomes i mean the first number i wrote down was 450 million it's gone up to i think 503 million and uh you know, what's funny about me, and I think you think the same way because we came up in the, uh, in the baseball world, is when you say that a guaranteed, you know, you say a contract is worth $503 million or $300 million in, you know, the case of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and those guys, is that you say that is what the worth of the contract is because it's guaranteed money in baseball. But it always makes me laugh when you sit there and you, get, you see the tweet, $503 million for Patrick Mahomes, and then it says – 150 million guaranteed. I'm like, dude, where's the other 250 or 350 grand go million going, man? I'm like, where are we doing that? So it's kind of funny how NFL contracts are basically a low guarantee with a max incentive bonus for these guys. The longer they play and the longer they stay in the contract. But uh, uh, any thoughts on Patrick Mahomes? I think he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, you, you get what you, uh, what do they say? Um, they're, it's kind of like a house too, the value, right? It's worth what somebody will pay for it. I mean, Patrick yep. Mahomes is worth every dollar that's, that the Chiefs are willing to pay. And maybe it was just worth uh, worth it to them to have one Super Bowl. I mean, who knows? I mean, if mm -hmm. he never wins again. But I think you're right. It is funny how we talk. I mean, I, I think more often than not with football, it's AAV, right? Average annual yeah. value of yeah. the contract. Or they make up like, well, he's not the highest paid quarterback because his average annual value won't hit till 2030 when, you know, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers still getting paid more, whatever. I, it doesn't matter. It's a lot of money. And so if somebody said Dave Tuttle signed a $500 million contract to do this podcast and really the only guaranteed money I got was 10, I'd be pretty happy with the 10 mil. 
Yeah. So, um, oh, no doubt. Yeah. So he's, he's remember certainly, me, remember um, me when you get that deal, by the way. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not riding your coattails for this. Um, your name's in the title, buddy. I, uh, I right just now. think that, that <laughs> right may become now. offensive oh. and may need to be changed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, anyway, this is great. The, I, I just, <laughs> I, I, to say anybody's worth whatever, and that's why I brought up the real estate thing. I mean, somebody was willing to pay him that and other teams probably would have fought for that. And so, uh, you know, he deserves everything he gets at this point. And um, it's better for all the players in all the sports to see yeah. that, hey. Oh, dude, yeah. This is – every quarterback in the league was like, you think Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson here in Houston are going, oh, that a boy, Patrick, that a yes, baby. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if they if the Cowboys have a good year or Deshaun Watson has a good year, like, pff, you got to pay me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they'll go someplace yeah. that will pay him because you're right, right. If somebody is going to find value in that. And I think Patrick Mahomes is in a unique situation too. He's highly marketable. I mean, he's great on camera. The interviews are fantastic. He obviously has a good report with everybody in the, in the uh, organization and in the, cl- in the clubhouse, in the locker room. He wins. And I think you and I can both argue the fact that it has become a quarterback league. So who's going to be the, the highest paid? It's going to be the quarterback. Yeah, I, it's definitely a quarterback league. I mean, I think it has been for a long, long time. I was actually going to go somewhere else with that and just say that I, I like to give credit um, to his dad, who you said you either played yeah. against or faced. But when you grow up in sports and you have um, some God-given ability, which is fantastic, but having somebody – you and I have talked about this on the podcast extensively, like what you're trying to um, uh, impart to your daughters on a regular basis as a parent. And I think just a mindset of – um, grinding it out and, you know, getting after it and staying calm and not being afraid to fail and all of those things that we've yeah. talked about just as parents, when you have somebody that is highly skilled, like, uh, like Patrick is, but a dad who had a cerebral component to being a major league mm-hmm. pitcher and obviously some ability. Um, I played with Aaron Boone and I think Aaron Boone, and this is not no detriment to him because a lot of people thought Brett was a better player. Aaron got a lot of credit and probably now um, has even a lot more cachet because of his dad and his grandfather and his brother all being major league baseball players. I mean, you can't help but get some wisdom and some teachings and some learnings from those yeah. guys. And like I said, maybe as a skill set, Aaron wasn't as talented as his brother on the field, even though he's created some, you know, fantastic moments in the major leagues, but boy, I mean, you know, he knows the game and has the mentality to be a manager in the big leagues. And a lot of that can come from genetics and osmosis and, you know, the ability to learn. So I think we don't want to, on this baseball heavy podcast, we don't want to dis, uh, uh, dismiss the fact that his dad was a, was a very high caliber, uh, highly successful athlete. Yeah, and I think it's great that he was successful, made it to the big leagues, wasn't a superstar. And I think some of that struggle and that grind that we talk about a lot, you know, can be learned from those guys who did good but weren't superstars because you have to grind a little bit harder to kind of maintain uh, your level in the game. And uh, you're right about just being around. Like, you know, a lot of these kids that you're talking about who grew up with big league parents or, you know, NFL parents, that they're around the locker room, they're around the clubhouse. You're, you're gonna, their eyes are wide open, man. They're watching that guy. They don't like what that guy's doing. They know that he's really good, so I'm going to watch him a little bit closer. My dad said this to watch that guy, so you're going to kind of – you're really going to absorb some of that information. And then you're 
Then you have the luxury of going home and having the conversation with dad over the dinner table or while you're watching another game to be able to kind of bounce ideas and, and absorb even more information because the, the parent has been in that situation, which I think is, is really cool. And it did pay off for Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of cool that his dad played Major League Baseball and he went off and did something else. You know, granted, it's with his throwing arm, but he went out and played a different sport and made a, a success out of a different sport. I think that's kind of a, kind of a cool aspect. I, I do as well. And I think just to kind of finish that thought with, um, we just talked about Tatis and Vlad Guerrero and yeah. Biggio and these the guys. Shed, now they're yeah. sons. Yeah. I mean, these, their sons are now just coming into the league. So that, I think that just solidifies what you said, but I think Patrick's on a different level because he's playing a different yeah. sport for one, but for two, I mean, you know, he obviously is, you know, it, he's got some ability that, Man, that, yeah. that, that wasn't necessarily, um, learned, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, God-given sometimes. And I'm, I'm sure that his dad probably sat back a couple times and went, oh, oh this guy's <laughs> I good. Even, I couldn't even do that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this guy's going to be good. Yeah, that's so funny. And uh, I've got just one last note on the NFL. Talked about the rosters trimming. They're trying to, uh, uh, you know, I can't imagine having 75 guys in camp and trying to create social distancing. But uh, they cut the – they said that they're going to limit the guys that come into training camp. And I thought in my head, I go, eventually this is just going to turn into maybe no, no uh, preseason. Then we saw two games cut. Now all the games are cut from preseason. So it's basically going to be the NFL, no preseason, straight into the, into the season if they can get that far. And the reason I say if is because I feel like the NCAA football is probably the predecessor or the, the guinea pig on how they go out and play football. And the way it's gone in some of these schools with them getting back for their training camps, uh, hearing about COVID parties, I have no idea what's going on. If you, you know, put money in the pot, show up to this party. If you get COVID first, you get the pot. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but uh, college is weird. And college is incredibly uh, a, a creative, I guess, in some sense. But, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, 19, That's 20, my kind of party. Woo! Yeah, this sounds like COVID fun. party. Let's go. <laughs> so a lot of these schools are getting back. The training camps, you're seeing 19, 20 guys come down with COVID. Now, we all know the demographic, 65 plus, higher uh, mortality rate. If you're under that, you're, gonna, you're probably not even going to feel that you have it. And that's where these college kids are at mentally. But – are they going to play football? That is the ultimate question. We haven't heard one way or another. We hear about teams and uh, universities saying that they will. We've talked about the financial impact it's going to have on a lot of these schools. And I just saw a couple of tweets. The, uh, it just literally, I think it was Monday, Tuesday, that said uh, Harvard's basically going to bang the on-campus uh, classes for 2020, 2021. Mm -hmm. And that being said, are, are they banging fall sports? You know, that's the ultimate question because if you're not going to have students on campus and you're not going to have jobs for those people or try and create revenue in that way, are you going to have a football season? Not that it's a big impact. I mean, it's still a money-making sport even for an Ivy League team. But Rutgers was another team that said they're going to remotely uh, school their kids in fall. And I don't know what you've heard or what your feelings are, but do you think there's a possibility that they have no students in class yet they're going to go forward with a football season? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's amazing to like, think about, yeah, right? Just the, yeah. the thought of nobody on campus yet. We're going to go mm -hmm. ahead and continue to play. I mean, is that the revenue thing? When we had Jeff Schwartz on a couple months ago, he was saying, right, the South don't care is kind of how he put, it, especially the SEC. I think they still don't. I think that's yeah. one thing he might be on to is like the, the SEC just might 
be the SEC for this year. <laughs> yeah, which that's fine. And so that's what I mean. He's, he's got a crystal ball and he was able to, but I don't think the whole rest of the country thinks about that. Yeah. And as he also pointed out with empty stadiums, they're st- still going to lose like 50 to a hundred million dollars. So I, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about a bunch of different issues. I don't know how you can ban classes or, uh, you know, make everything online yeah, on campus, and yeah. not have yet yeah, not be on campus and then be like, all right, we have a football game on Saturday. <laughs> you guys can go and uh, play Dartmouth and have the stands filled or, you know, I guess it'd be empty stadium in that case too. But, you know, I think uh, I was going to touch on some of this and what will Tuttle say, and I will still, but I, I do think that uh, I do think we're, we're, this, we're just, we're just dipping our toe in the water. We've yeah. talked about this. Like we know all the stuff we've talked about this. Like we know what's going to happen. And you and I said this at the prior to I the, don't ruin yeah. what'll total. no, no, it, you're not going to ruin it. Okay. I'm just saying not a lot has changed in terms of what's going on yeah. with the science. I have a couple of topics for what I'll yeah. say. So hold that, I hold just, that thought. Yeah. Because I, we'll get yeah. to that. Cause I want to, yep. what'll total is going to be worth it. Cause I like the idea and where you're heading right. with that. It, so now let's say that they do postpone mm-hmm. the fall schedule for football. There's rumors that they might move it to spring to play college football. So that would be 2021 in the spring. They go out and play college football. I think that is idiotic. I think that is the stupidest thing ever. And not because it would interfere with baseball at all. Because if I'm – what's that guy's name? Uh, What's the uh, Clemson's quarterback, Lawrence? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Trevor Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Mm -hmm. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm already – guess what? I'm already number one. The only thing I'm going for is another national championship – or trying to, you know, put up, create my legacy at uh, Clemson. If they move my, my last season before I'm the number one pick overall to spring and knowing that the football draft, the NFL draft is an end of April, guess what? I'm not I'm, playing. I'm not, I'm not enrolling in classes. I'm nope. not going to school. I'm in the gym. I'm throwing. I'm going to my quarterback camps, and I'm going to light it up when I get to the combine or my pro day, and I'm going to get drafted number one. There's no way I'm playing in spring. That's right. And I honestly, I hate to kind of – your thunder is is awesome in your energy. I just think that seems like so far in the future. I mean, th- those are realistic hypotheticals, but there's just so much else that has to get ironed out before that point. Because you even brought it up with the NFL. I think the NFL is an interesting one more so than baseball. They're doing 60-man rosters, right? So it's not a huge spring training, but they got these taxi squads. Who needs more bodies on their team than the NFL, especially when you're not in game shape? So let's skip preseason, and you start running 100 miles an hour, crashing into guys, and you have 53 guys. If you lose five guys in game one, you're down to 48 guys and you've had nobody in training camp because of COVID. I mean, good point. There's, there's gonna, they're going to have to have like these satellite teams as well. You're going to have 53 active guys. You're going to have 30 guys, like 15 practice squad guys. You're going to know you're, you're going to need like 30 or 40 dudes that are trying (laughs) to stay in game shape without playing any games. So, so I just think, yeah, I mean the Trevor Lawrence point kind of goes to this point, which is football is one of those things where you need to play, you need to be in game shape. And you need to be cautious of injuries. Mm-hmm. And so somebody, like you said, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. Well, guess what? I'm going to be a top 10 pick. I mean, you're going to lose if he opts out and the fifth pick opts out and the 10th oh, pick up, you're going to lose, you know, Alabama and Clemson are going to lose like 30 guys each, <laughs> yeah, 30 guys each that are going to be in the top three rounds. And so I think it's a, it's a totally valid point. 
I'm not trying to deflate the balloon. I'm just saying if we get to that point, that'll be a great debate to have because yeah. they're playing spring football. But um, as we touched on, and I'll, I'll mention it later, I, I just think, I think we need a lot of things to kind of happen before then, because everything that, you know, we keep pushing forward, but we keep pushing forward with kind of the same information. Yeah. And uh, let's talk a little bit about COVID testing because mm -hmm. we've got the MLS that I told you about. I made a note on it for whatever reason, but it's, it's a good one. What uh, does MLS stand for again? I'm, I'm trying to write uh, it down. I can't major find Major loser. No, just major league soccer. Oh <laughs> right yeah. Major States. league soccer. That sport. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the, not the premier league, the, uh, the, the major league soccer uh, season that uh, they're trying to play a tournament in Orlando and the NBA is also trying to play in Orlando. And just a real quick thought on NBA is that, man, that, the bubble scares me, to be honest with you. I know that baseball is going to be travel, traveling, and we'll talk about their COVID testing and the issues they're having. But the bubble freaks me out, man, because it doesn't take very much to pop that thing, I don't feel like. And how do you, you know, what, it, 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 does it depend on who gets the COVID or what team? I don't understand. I have I have a real world example. Uh, so my daughter's little league, we signed a COVID waiver. Uh, they got, I think they have eight or 10 teams in the league as most do. They may, let's say it's eight teams in majors. Mm -hmm. um, everybody signed the COVID waiver and they were just moving forward. We had social distancing practice. We practiced Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, woke up on Thursday, email saying somebody on our team, asymptomatic COVID-19 positive uh, practices are canceled moving forward. The league is canceled moving forward. No teams are allowed to practice like, I mean, that's the bubble burst. That's exactly what that one dude who remains nameless. He was the pin that popped the balloon. And granted, this is not professional sports, but is no, that but it's what a good we're, example? Right. So what is that what we're going to do? You tell yeah. me Major League Soccer or NBA if LeBron James, I think you said, right? Well, I would say, you know, if LeBron James gets it, you know, they're going to shut that thing down because God, you know, no way you can have that dude, that dude getting it. Now, if Rudy Gobert gets it again, I mean, or, you know, somebody like that gets it, who knows? Because I mean, he was the pin that popped the bubble for the NBA earlier. That's right. And that's what worries me about the bubble. I mean, if it one guy, if it, is it just one guy or is it a team and you eliminate the team? I don't know. But that being said, in, in major league soccer, uh, FC Dallas, will not compete in that tournament that they're going to have in Orlando because they did their preliminary testing and the preliminary had nine initial positives on one team. So they must've been working out with, I was going to say those guys haven't been social distancing. They've been like, Hey, let's have a 4th of July party right? and sit on the couch. Next team week. party at my place, boys. Let's go. <laughs> it's gotten up to 14 according to the USA today. Wow. So you can't even, I mean, are you quarantining those guys? But they just said, Nope. We don't want FC Dallas. You guys have got too much of the funk and get out of here. And I wonder if is, that's a possibility too for the NBA too, because I would imagine they're going to test those guys two weeks or a week before they get into that bubble. And if any of those guys test, test negative, they're gone. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, these are extreme scenarios, but it goes to what you're trying to hint at for what will tell is that we don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah. Kind of like Major League Baseball, it feels like sometimes. I'm just going to say it out loud. Yeah. Well, we, we talked about the politicization of all of this too. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. what do we believe? What don't we believe? You know, people don't like Manfred, people don't like this. And, you know, you have a locker room full of now it was 40 man rosters and there's 25 guys that are kind of the experienced vets that have a voice, but you know, you got 60 guys there and a couple rabble rousers, you know, mm -hmm. well, I'm going to opt out or I'm going to, I don't believe in this and I don't like the testing scenario and I don't like wearing a mask and I don't, you know, and you know, they're both ends of the spectrum. I, I, I hate to take this to the Aubrey Huff show, but, you know, 
put you and Aubrey Huff in the same locker room and one of them's at this end and one of them's at this end. And then there's a bunch of dudes in the middle, right? So, you know what I forgot to say too, did you hear about uh, Damian Lillard's uh, comments from the Portland Trailblazers? No, no. I mean, I knew he said, he said something last week, but I haven't heard anything recently. Well, that's what I want to kind of to talk to is that uh, he, he, you know, obviously he's on the cover of NBA 2K. So he's one of the more popular players out there, but he's become very outspoken. And he was actually asked point blank. Do you think the NBA players are going to be able to pull this off? And he goes, Nope. Yep. That's right. He said he doesn't believe the guys will stay in the bubble. They're down in Orlando away from families. Like, Hey, where can we go? What can we do? Yeah. And I love how they keep talking about, needs wink wink needs yeah. i mean can you i mean are your needs that need necessary that you can't stay in a bubble for three months and complete the task of playing some basketball i don't know man maybe the reward after three months in there might be exponential who knows but uh yeah he doesn't believe damian lillard does not believe that they're going to have 100 percent participation in that bubble uh, theory which yeah. i thought was very interesting very bold and good for him for being able to say that because maybe it's a little bit of a leadership thing where he puts it out there and other guys are going well i don't want to be the guy that doesn't uh, adhere to the rules and you know i want right. to see this thing go well yeah but, and i uh, agree with you though i mean you played with all these guys there's kind of like there's a bunch of sets of rules for everybody there's also um maybe not a lack of intelligence, but a lack of personal understanding. And then, as I mentioned already, the political kind of landscape of all of this is some people just don't believe, you know, some people believe this is a hoax or whatever, that they can't get sick or they can't die and they don't care as that's what kind of leads to all this cabin fever for us anyway. And I don't think we're worried about ourselves as much as we are the other people that we can give it to. But when you're a 22 year old kid, you do not care about that 85 year old guy. No, man, dude, yeah, that, that, you talk about a small bubble. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. When you're 22, that bubble is just you and that's it. <laughs> that's um, but uh, as far as testing is concerned, Major League Baseball had a couple of teams uh, cancel. It was the Nationals, Astros. I think the Giants even may have canceled their, Giants, uh, yep, they're back their workout because they didn't get the test back in time. And I kind of went into, I didn't go on a Twitter ramp, but I definitely called MLB out. I'm like, what are you doing? You're trying to get a season going. You need to have these workouts in yet. And you said, and this is where the problem kind of sets in for me, is that Major League Baseball came out and said, when we come back, this is what we are going to do. We hired a private, uh, a private uh, lab in Utah. We are going to send those uh, tests there. You're going to get your positive or negative back, and we're going to continue to do this every other day for the full length of the season and postseason. They didn't get the test back after the 4th of July weekend. And I was a little ticked off because there were three teams that I know of that had to cancel their practice. And obviously one of them was the Houston Astros for precautionary reasons. And guys started to speak up and I was with them. I'm going, wait a minute, you told us you're going to do this and you can't follow through on the promise that you made to us. What the hell's going on? And the statement from MLB was, Oh, well, it was a 4th of July weekend, dude. Did you not put this plan in place before the 4th of July? And I think since 1776 or right around there, they've been celebrating 4th of July. So what the, I mean, that is not an excuse to me. It's just another oversight, I believe, by by Major League Baseball and not maybe taking this as serious as we hope they would because we've talked about it plenty. This is all coming back to the player risk. And if you're not taking that seriously by getting these tests done in uh, appropriate time, it tells me you don't care about the player. Yeah. And they should have canceled those workouts. It's funny that the team had yeah, to cancel the workout. It's kind of like, 
you know, Major League Baseball should have said, oh, well, you know, I mean, obviously it's up to individual team, but I would have been like, oh, yeah, we didn't get the test back. You guys shouldn't practice. Instead, the Giants were kind of, eh, we probably shouldn't practice. We didn't get the results. It just seems, and to your point, 4th of July happens every year, same day. Um, you know, if you're going to be closed for the weekend, let's pay the, uh, the testing lab a little more money to stay open an extra day. You've got the money. So I I just think it's not a good, um, it's not a good first step, especially when we've been talking (laughs) about, (laughs) when we've been talking about the trust issues and, um, the length of the season and the money and, you know, maybe leading into the collective bargaining agreement. Oh yeah, we can trust you imminently. Oh no, but we couldn't get the test back. Sorry, go practice. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. No, that's a great point. And another thing that's going on inside Major League Baseball, I think Nick Markakis was one of the more recent guys who were opting out of their contract after talking to first baseman Freddie Freeman for the Braves, who has come down with COVID. And basically Markakis, I think, got scared into opting out because of how Freddie Freeman's handling this. It's not going well for him. I hope that he recovers you know, enough to get back eventually and play the game. But there's guys opting out. And it's crazy to me that people are angry with guys for opting out. I don't understand that. I mean, I applaud these guys. Do what you got to do for you and your family. And I think it's more, you know, if I get it, damn it. If somebody in my family gets it, oh, man. I mean, that would not be good. So I think that's what they're kind of looking at. Uh, Mike Trout's one of those guys that's thinking about opting out because he has a pregnancy. I know Zach Wheeler, a pitcher for the New York Mets, is doing the same thing because of the circumstances. But um, any thoughts on the opt-outs? Do you expect more? Do you expect uh, any bigger names? I'm not sure how that's working. And I don't. another thing we don't talk about, and when these guys come out, I don't know if they have to go through the union to, to make these statements or approve opting out because you know as well as I do, as soon as Mike Trout opts out, I mean, that's a megastar. Yeah. And how much does that diminish the product that you're actually trying to put out there? But how are you feeling about these opt-outs and the, some of these guys? You know, the first thing that strikes me when you say Mike Trout opting out, and he is a mega star, but he's on the Los Angeles Angels. I think it would be different if he was on a different team. I mean, if this was a forefront, you know, a, like the, a forefront. The Mets or the Yankees or, Well, yeah. the Mets or Yankees, but also a team like the Dodgers, like a team that has, that has the opportunity to win this thing, you know, win the whole thing in 60 games. And yeah. I know – the angels have Rendon and they've added some pieces, but you know, Trout's always kind of been almost this anonymous guy for how fantastic and how, how great he is. So I thought when you said LeBron in basketball, I thought that's a much more impactful guy. If Clayton Kershaw and, uh, and some of the Dodger guys decided to opt out, that might be more impactful. Sorry, Mike. I I know, um, you know, it would be a big deal for sure. Markakis happens to be Freeman's brother-in-law. I know that. So Markakis mm-hmm. and Freeman are married to sisters, I believe. So nice. maybe that has something Good to do info. with the Markakis. Yeah, no, I think that has something to do with why he is doing it. And you said Freeman's not handling it well. What did you mean by that? I didn't see he's just, he's really sick. He, you know, I, oh, he, he is. He, he's been incredibly sick. Yeah. Markakis, oh. I think came out with a quote that said, you know, he could barely talk kind of thing. Oh. And uh, obviously the thing affects everybody a little bit differently, but he's yeah. having a hard time getting through it. Oh gosh. I didn't know that. Well, again, I think that makes it more relevant for Markakis to opt out. It, like yeah. I said, they're really close. I think, as I mentioned, they're married to sisters. And so that has a lot more relevance um, in that regard. That's a good point. I didn't know that, but yeah, but I don't think, I don't think the opt out as you and I said last podcast, I mean, it should be a very personal thing. We don't know if it has to go for the union or whatever, but if somebody opts out, let them opt out. I mean, Freddie Freeman, there you go. Prime example. Now we know in California, 
there have been no deaths for people under the age of 24 from COVID. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a known thing, but um, that doesn't mean there aren't. Yeah. But you also know, as you said, it's been affecting everybody differently. Um, I've heard some stories about younger people getting it that were kind of burning the candle at both ends. You know, if Mm -hmm. you're training hard and you're not sleeping and things like that, the way mono work, then you're obviously a little more immunocompromised. So you can be in trouble. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that some, you mentioned Mike Trout, Zach Wheeler. I mean, I would assume that those guys are probably just taking the wait and see approach. And if we see 10 or 15 more guys opt out and we see that the bubble is not going to be able to be maintained or that the testing is kind of going off the rails, I kind of see there might be a, (laughs) there might be a, uh, like a jumping off the bus kind of mentality. Like I'm getting out, I'm Mm -hmm. getting out of here. I'm getting out. Yeah, and, and if that does happen, it'd be really interesting to see how it affects how Major League Baseball moves forward because if they do see some of these guys opting out, not that you wouldn't want to see some of these prospects or younger guys playing the game, but if those guys are valuing their health as much as they are, why not value everybody's health as much as that is and maybe shut down the season? I don't know. But uh, as far as everything's moving along, July 24th, you're going to see myself, Julia Morales, and Todd Callis on TV broadcasting some Astros baseball. So I am actually preparing and looking forward to that. Kind of to tell his point that he talked about with his little league team, you just kind of prep, 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 and anticipate. Sometimes it doesn't always happen. But how about we get right into what will Tuttle say? Because I know you've got a lot to say, Tuttle. I do. i got two things today. Uh, one uh, that will piggyback up what we were talking about before, and then the other one is uh, just a little kind of hopefully a little silver lining to what we're all talking about. So that will be nice. And I think what you just said is a good lead-in, Blummer, which is you got to prep like the season's going to start because they've told you it's going to start. But what you and I kind of talked about earlier is that really nothing has changed since March 15th when I think our last day of school was March 13th and they said lockdown. And it's weird because now we're in the middle of July almost. And we've talked about all these things that have changed. Like when's baseball coming back and the NFL season and um, you know, Oh yeah, we, we can go to the store now, but we can, you know, we have to wear a mask and our gym closed and our barber closed, but now they're opening back up. But in Florida, Texas and California, where you and I both live, all the cases are rising. So is it cases or hospitalizations? I mean, Nothing has changed from a scientific standpoint. We don't have a vaccine. We certainly don't have a cure. We don't really know. Um, you know, somebody said if you're asymptomatic, you're less likely to transmit it. Uh, I heard another scientist saying, you know, it's an upper respiratory infection versus some that are lower respiratory. And so it's easier to transmit regardless of whether it's asymptomatic or you have, you know, strong symptoms or not. And I guess the ultimate first point of what will Tuttle say is nothing has changed except us like we're we're chomping at the bit we're dying to get out into the real world and we're dying to broadcast baseball games and we're dying to as a spectator watch baseball games and listen to you guys broadcast those games that's what would make us happiest but ultimately we don't know if that's dangerous you know i mean you said freddie freeman's sick i was unaware i knew he had gotten it but i thought you said he wasn't dealing with it well and i thought it was like a mental thing like you know like <laughs> I'm oh sure god a lot to do with it too yeah maybe but you know he, and he has young kids and all of that stuff so i think when you have it and you're feeling rotten i'm sure those things those feelings can snowball but i guess ultimately what i, I wanted to put out there and get your thoughts on is really nothing has changed the science hasn't changed um the quarantining and getting businesses open has changed a little bit, but we see the cases rise when we kind of go back to normal uh, activity. And as I mentioned already, Little League is back on the shelf. 
Um, AYSO soccer was planning on getting cranking up again. There's been Mm -hmm. some club soccer locally in California, San Bernardino County, uh, LA County, maybe that's already been canceled. They're waiting to hear about our County. And I just think, you know, I think I touched on this last podcast, all these things that we've ever done in our life have been, all right, this is what we know. This is what we expect. These are the goals I'm going to set for myself right now. I want this goal to happen. And we take these, you know, small steps sometimes, um, and we get knocked down sometimes towards this goal, but I feel like the cheese is moving. This goal keeps moving and we're making Mm -hmm. some strides backwards. And so as optimistic as I typically am and as excited as I am about whatever it is, the new season or getting back to school or having some normalcy, I'm as perplexed and puzzled and, (laughs) you know, and, and kind of like dizzy as I was at the beginning. I don't really know where this is going. I don't know if you want to piggyback on that and add some sports in there, but. No, I'm, I'm, I agree with you because, I mean, we talked about it, like I said, before the uh, podcast even talk, uh, started and we just – you could have – sitting here talking to you, if, if I have said that we are, we are recording this podcast on July 8th or, April, or what, April 8th, would you have been able to tell the difference? And the only thing is, is that we've had more speculation. Yeah. And I feel like that's all it's been for the last four or five months is speculation. There hasn't been any hard evidence on anything. It's crazy that, uh, you know, there's scientists out there trying to compete against this COVID-19. Uh, I've, I feel like it was a, two years ago when I said, hey, man, you know, start playing Metallica so you can destroy and like hunker down and get the vaccine. And let's go, boys. Tried to pump up speech. That sucked. Nobody was listening to me. I don't know if it's because of the virus or because, uh, you know, the scientists aren't finding the right avenue or need the right motivation. But it, it's amazing to think that as much excitement or as much as we try to have excitement, it's all it could all blow up in a heartbeat because of, uh, you know, here in Texas, for sure, man, we opened up everything. Well, we didn't open up everything, but our reopening process was, you know, moving full steam ahead pretty aggressively. And then we had to slam on the brakes and get back inside, get the masks back on. And now, you know, we're kind of in the waiting game and it's kind of, it's kind of frightening to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, that you agree with me in that. And and I think maybe that's, probably some of these crazy videos we're seeing on Twitter with the people in Costco and Trader Joe's. And, you know, (laughs) there's just been some, there's been some misbehaved folks out there. Look, we're all feeling some of that angst and some of that anxiety and some of that craziness, but hopefully we just uh, keep it under our hat and, uh, and we can get through this. But uh, I've just, yeah, I guess having a podcast for a while and an avenue and an outlet to talk about this stuff is great. But, you know, I guess maybe April 8th or April 15th or whenever it was, I felt like we were moving forward. And now, like you said, I, I think this recording could be from Just March hamsters 15th. On a wheel. There, yeah, hamsters on a wheel. So here's fingers crossed that on July 24th, when you and uh, Julia and TK are supposed to be in the booth or wherever you are recording, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, or not recording, but uh, commentating and, and watching the game that, uh, that we're all there with you. So. I do have one more thing for what'll Tuttle say, and uh, I, I don't I don't have any thing to attach it to, but I watched a CBS Sunday morning kind of news magazine at the request of some people, and Ken Burns had a little uh, a nice little snippet in there. We all know Ken Burns from his outstanding baseball documentary. Um, he's done a bunch of those Civil War baseball, but I, I want to leave you with this blummer and get your thoughts. Ken Burns said baseball, and this is where it was America's pastime, basically was on the forefront of being a leader for businesses and sports in the country. 
And the examples that he gave, first of all, were the color barrier, Jackie Robinson, the first sport that really like Branch Rickey embraced, have that. And we could do that again. I say we as in baseball can be that. And I think you and I have bantered back and forth a bunch of times about like, why is baseball like, you know, not putting a plan in place? And why are they arguing and bitching and moaning about dollars and number of games when most of the other organizations are like putting a plan in place to be, um, you know, how we get on the field and how we can be socially responsible. And I think they, you know, Ken Burns didn't come out and say this overtly, but his point was baseball, the way it gets back up, which I've been looking for this answer for at least 10 podcasts, right? The way it gets back (laughs) up to being America's pastime and competing with football um, is to do exactly that. Be a leader again. I mean, it was a leader with Jackie Robinson and the race relations between um, black and white America. It was a leader with the players association, the players union. When Marvin Miller came and said, look, the owners have been exploiting the players year after year after year. Let's unionize. Let's do this. And other sports said, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Now we can have this, you know, business agreement where everybody's happy and everybody's making money. And I use air quotes for that as well. I mean, you're getting the most out of what you're able to leverage in your situation. And baseball did that. So baseball has been on the forefront um, from a business and sports standpoint in America from the beginning. And I think it keeps waning and losing those fans and losing some momentum and losing. And, you know, maybe we can point the finger at Rob Manfred and maybe we can point it at Bud Selig, your favorite Dud Selig. No, Dud Selig, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you won't even call him Bud. So I'm sorry. Um, Anyway, you, I think you understand my point, which is I I liked Ken Burns kind of taking this romantic look at baseball saying, you know, baseball's been a leader. It was a leader and we got to find a way to make it a leader again. And I think the silver lining here is like, look, there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty as there was back then with world wars going on or the race relations, but baseball basically, you know, planted a flag and said, this is how we're going to move forward. And this is how we're going to do it. And that doesn't mean there aren't any challenges or hurdles, but maybe we can um, find some kind of inspiration and some thought around that to kind of, you know, make baseball great again, for lack of a better. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Crazy slogan. You should use that. Yeah. Yeah. I should come up with that. No, no, no. Let's uh, (laughs) remarket that. Let's rebrand it. There you go. No, that was one of the things that we talked about when we first started uh, talking about this uh, crisis and it affecting baseball is we were disappointed in the missed opportunity. It was a real opportunity to kind of be that trailblazer and say, okay, we're going to put finances aside, owners losing a crap ton of money, players not getting a full contract, but let's go out there and play because we're trying to provide, you know, like you said, that romantic ideal of going out there and providing a sense of joy, a sense of distraction and, uh, not, ur- not urgency in a different way, urgency for good, you know, because everything can be so negative, especially on social media these days and, and with uh, the virus and everything that's getting pumped at you on your TV screen. If you're not streaming 24 seven is get, there's going to be a some amount of negativity in there. So why not baseball try and advance the positivity of, of two entities coming together and players recognizing risk and reward and going out there and playing. And I think it is an opportunity missed earlier in the season when things were going good, but who knows, you know, if they started earlier, how things would have ended with the the uptick in uh, uh, COVID viruses being uh, contracted, if that would have uh, shut down the season or not. But that being said, I I actually saw, and I'm glad you brought this up because I did kind of, it didn't, uh, I just kind of saw it in passing is 
that with baseball coming back, I, my first concern was, you know, how they're missing out on uh, Father's Day. They're missing out on Mother's Day where you typically see the powder blue or you see the pink, and, you know, and they recognize and they bring some certain things to, uh, to the forefront, you know, outside of baseball and how they can have a positive impact. But I was very grateful to see that they sent out an email saying that they are going to celebrate Jackie Robinson. They're going to celebrate Roberto Clemente. They're going to have some of these days included in this abbreviated season. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I think that's where, to Tuttle's point, as limited as the opportunity is, you've got to be able to take those chances and push it a little bit. You're not going to make everybody happy. We know that. But you've got to be willing to take that risk in order to kind of provide a new brand for your product, like Tuttle was talking about. But that's where we were both disappointed is a missed opportunity to really be a unifying force in uh, some, some hard times and negativity. Yeah. And I realize there's a lot of hands in the pot and, you know, stirring the, uh, stirring the waves and the tides and which way it's going to move. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like kind of an ex ball player knucklehead, you know, if we can look at these things and say, Hey, you know, the name change, let's rebrand and let's make this an opportunity to strive forward. Uh, Baseball, the same thing. I mean, I don't think, I hate that we overcomplicate it. I know there's other, like I said, many hands in the pot, but I feel like if you and I can kind of come up with this idea on our own and brainstorm it, I mean, obviously we can work out the particulars, but say the logistics will work themselves out once you get a plan in place. Yeah. So I just think to me, if we can come up with something like this, I don't know why, uh, why the powers that be can't at least um, entertain it and brainstorm around Mm -hmm. um, trying to be a little more positive and a little more, uh, solution oriented, I guess, instead of continuing to keep the, uh, the tension that is there and, yeah. you know, and baseball's paying the price anyway, not just financially, but, you know, yeah. we're competing with MLS and NHL for, you know, when the season's going to get going and what are the players going to get paid. And anyway, yep. it's a, it's a little challenging, but that's, that's it for what'll Tuttle say a little silver lining there. Hopefully that we can, uh, we can be on the, uh, the cutting edge of making things right again and, yeah. and bringing Tune back in. some, yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. My turn. Lums Blast, I believe. Do you have Blast or Blasts? Actually, I've got Blasts, and I had right. two, but I had to add a third one because Ooh. you kind of threw me off at the end of the Weddle Tuttle. And holy crap, you know how bad 2020 has gotten? It has oh. affected David Tuttle. Uh-oh. My man, my positive, my, my rainbow oh. in my life That's right. has been affected. For I sure. can't believe that. You, you, you've <laughs> caved in. It took you to July 8th to give in to the horrors of 2020. And I'm sorry to hear that. Hopefully you bounce back soon, but uh, all the best in your recovery. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say last, uh, last, last podcast? And I stole it from someone else. These, these, these last couple of months have been quite a year, right? I oh, mean, yeah. That's, dude, that's I keep I telling feel, everybody, dude. man. 2020 <laughs> is a dog year. It's like seven years in one, dude. It's been, it's right. been a Ooh, business. Dog year. I like that, yeah. But, uh, you know, that brings up an interesting, uh, interesting question that I get actually quite a bit. I've done several radio interviews and a lot of people bring up the asterisk. Uh, should there be an asterisk on 2017? I don't think so. I think they got busted for what they did, but they still went out and won the World Series. And I don't think there should be an asterisk next to that. I don't think there should be an asterisk next to the 2009 Yankees that had proven, you know, steroid users on it. And shoot every other championship team in the nineties, whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not big on the asterisk and it's really taken on a negative connotation 
if you say that deserves an asterisk, you're not doing it because it was a phenomenal feat, like hitting 61 home runs. It was because you did it in 162 games instead of 147 or 150, whatever. It was to notate that you did it differently or you didn't do it as well, or you took longer to do it. And it's really kind of taken on this negative uh, image about it. So the asterisk for me, asterisk, I want to make sure I say that right. Yes. Because, you know, the pronunciation. And that's, the an easy, that's an easy one to throw, by the way, said asterisk. <laughs> and uh, so everybody asked me, you know, should, should the World Series champion of 2020 get an asterisk? And I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I've said no. I don't, I don't want to see an asterisk next to it because you know what? If I say 2020 next to anything, guess what I'm thinking? Holy crap, what a year. You know, it's been a grind. It's been a battle for everybody and every level of, you know, success or lack of success. And if a team, whether it be the NBA, the MLS tournament champions, the NBA world champions, if they win the championship, they won it because they didn't alter the situation. All The situation – is a mess and they're making the best of it. And for major league baseball, if you win a world series championship this year, congrats, you won it. I'll give you all the credit in the world because you, you put up with spring training, cancellation of spring training, cancellation of the first three, four months of your season. Yet you continued to work sprinted through a 60 game season and won out in the playoffs and win the world series. It's yours. I'm in no asterisks. I'm not an asterisk guy. I don't like it. Do you think I'm an idiot? No, I, of course I do not. I, I think no, I know I can, and I've, I've I have before. Yes, you I, have. And maybe even on air, um, <laughs> not as often on air. You know, yeah. all you the time when I get off air. You do. So, so no, I, but I would agree. I mean, that's the whole point. Tell me what the rules are, where I have to be, what are the games like? Everybody's playing yep. the same amount of games. The asterisks, I think, are kind of reserved for. Um, I don't know. They're reserved for one-off situations. I think that's where the asterisk usually comes in is like, uh, well, you know, he had less at bats or played appearances or yeah. I mean, that was a strike shortened year and they played 10 more games than the other team or something like that. There's, you know, their asterisks are used kind of for a one-off situation for this. If everybody's playing 60 games, I said this last time, somebody with the Padres tweeted out that, you know, the Padres oh, yeah. are in first place with 60 games to go. So everybody's there. I mean, everybody's in the hunt, 60 games to go, may the best man team uh, organization win. And there's no asterisk because they're all playing under the same rules, same guidelines, same, you know, essentially the same umbrella. I mean, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, those home run records, those still stand. I mean, in your mind, you're thinking, oh, well, Barry Bonds, you know, never tested positive, but he hit, you know, 900 home runs in one season. <laughs> so it seemed a little out of the ordinary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no asterisks by his name. I mean, you, you can't go back. I, I wholeheartedly agree and start putting asterisks by yeah. everything you see. I mean, if every team plays 60 games, then give him the World Series trophy, especially with all the stuff we've had to deal with. Exactly. They should actually, yeah. they should get a bonus, not an asterisk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're going to be bragging about it. You wouldn't believe what we went through to win this World Series championship. But yeah, I, I appreciate the thoughts and I appreciate you agreeing with me. And I've got one last thing to get out of here. And I'm trying to still trying to think about how I can get away with, with saying this without being political. It seems mm -hmm. like everything is politicized these days. And it's, you know, NASCAR had its issues with the Confederate flag and had its issues with Bubba Wallace. And I just want to applaud and just give a little love, fittingly, give a, level, give a, give a little love to Bubba Wallace. 
because he's an African-American uh, NASCAR driver, but he has been put in some extreme situations. And he has handled it with probably the, as much grace as anybody can handle it in 2020 with social media and the knee-jerk reactions. He has been calm. He's been graceful. He has been thoughtful. And his responses to some of the, the vitriol handed his way, whether it be from a a, a political leader or from a, another pundit that is out there speaking it, he has been incredible. And he had a hashtag and it said, love wins. And I just want to say thank you to Bubba Wallace for saying love wins, because I really believe that's the first guy I've heard say that. And I think that ultimately by the end of this whole mess that we can always agree that love wins and have a little more grace uh, moving through some of these tough situations, but that's going to do it for me on Blum's Blast, but just way to go Bubba Wallace with just one hashtag love wins. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think so you can interpret that in many different ways. And ultimately it's like, let's, you know, let's continue to be responsible people. Let's love our brothers. Let's love our fellow humans. And, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, like you said, you know, I don't know how we're going to get through this. We don't know what the end in sight is, but man, I, uh, I, I listened to a podcast or I saw something <laughs> said that now I can't even remember. I'm so sorry. Um, where they said, uh, smile, just smile before you say, so if you're angry, just yeah. smile. So if you think about smiling, it actually really releases, um, yeah, something in, like right. dopamine scientifically, yep. but isn't it funny? Like if somebody, you know, instead of that sarcastic, we already got on the, like the shopping cart thing, like, Ugh like the shopping cart. But if you smile when you see somebody kind of ghost ride their cart across the, you know, and you're watching you smile, your, your mood and the way you handle that situation is completely different. Mm -hmm. And I know what Bubba Wallace went through is not nearly as, uh, uh, as minute and, uh, you know, I guess, um, kind of un unresponsible or un, I can't even think of the word. Like, uh, it's not nearly as important as somebody like leaving their cart in a parking lot. What he's yeah. dealing with is much more significant and much more substantial. That's the word I was looking for. But if he's willing to say love wins and he's willing to, you know, put his arms around his uh, fellow drivers and, Man. and be strong for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the least we can do, right? No, absolutely. He's an incredible example. And uh, we have incredible examples all the way around us. We know that uh, a lot of frontline workers are back hard at it. We know the hospitals are filling up, yet the nurses and doctors and everybody in healthcare is stepping up and doing their part and working hard. Uh, the first responders doing a great job. We pray for all of your health and well-being as, as you go out into the, into the city, into the country to uh, help us out. And uh, the military, we always appreciate everything you guys are doing, you men and women are doing overseas in handling, uh, you know, everything uh outside our borders to keep us safe here so we appreciate everything you're doing uh that was a hell of a podcast buddy i thought that was uh incredibly fun to talk about some topics that we don't normally talk about uh some sensitive issues but uh well thought out and well done by you man same with you blummer i always appreciate getting with you i i sometimes get on here thinking man we don't have a lot to talk about baseball hasn't been on as you said No. no live sports but uh, we always find a way to fill up our hour and hopefully the listeners out there appreciate what we're bringing to the table and hopefully uh, the things that we say resonate with you or make you think about um, how you're approaching the situation because uh, I think sometimes it appears that you know we're raising families just like everybody else that we have this great life and we're doing a podcast and we have fun with each other and all that but man everybody's kind of dealing with some of the same you know for lack of a better word shit you know we're all dealing with some of the same yeah. shit so um, again 
as you always point out, um, I thought about it probably a little deeper on July 4th, uh, you know, finishing the old Iron Murph there. But, uh, you know, first responders, uh, our frontline workers, military, you're greatly appreciated. We're thinking about you as we are everybody out there in, uh, in podcasting. And we really appreciate uh, every one of you. And I guess you have a bunch of things to say at the end of this, but I can say love wins. Love wins, man. That's what it's about. Yeah, get after it and believe it. <laughs>